So this morning when I awakened, I couldn't see very well. You ever have one of those kinds of mornings? Like you, you wake up and you, your eyes aren't just quite ready to see clearly. This happened to me this morning. I, I was thinking to myself, like, why? Well, it was really early. I was still tired in my eyes. It's that time of the year also where allergies. And so if you're like me, sometimes the allergies can kind of make your eyes uh, kind of yucky. The air is dry, right? We're running the heater, so the air is dry. So here I am on the couch in the morning and going, God, why can't I see clearly? It may or may not be because I was crying a little bit as Jeannie and I were watching that Hallmark movie that we love so much. Um, but I couldn't see. And as I was sitting there thinking to myself, and I'm like wiping my eyes, and I'm like, okay, I have to finish uh, looking over my notes because this morning what I'm going to try to help people to do is see. This is true. I said, Lord, I need to be able to see so this morning as I open your word, I can help people see. You, you know what we are doing here. It's my hope that you will be able to more cl- clearly see who Jesus is. If you can more clearly see who Jesus is, the Jesus of the Bible, then you will more fully understand who God is. And so we've gathered for that reason this morning. It's my hope that you'll see the event of the birth of Jesus more clearly. And in doing so, you will be able to fully, more fully understand God and you will be able to live out of that. And here's what I know about you. For some of you, it required a lot of courage to come and see Jesus this morning. It required a lot of courage and it was risky. I wonder how many of you feel like it's a little risky to be here. Maybe for you, it feels a little risky to attend a new church. And I just want to say, if this is your first time and you accepted the invite of somebody, you know, you will not be disappointed in the lunch that they purchased for you afterwards. I promise you, no, no, no. Maybe for you, it felt, felt risky. Maybe, maybe, maybe by choosing to be here, it was a little risky because you chose to not do something else. Or maybe by being here, you're risking a bit because others might not understand why you would actually go to church. Maybe you feel like it's a little risky this morning because you're unsure about the Bible and you're nervous that I'm going to do or say something that calls on you to know something about the Bible. Or maybe you feel like it's risky because I'm going to ask you, you might think that I'm going to ask you to do something that you cannot do. Here's what I want you to understand this morning. Although risky, getting into the presence of Jesus enables us to more clearly see all of life. Although risky, getting into the presence of Jesus enables us to more clearly see all of life. Did you know that the very first people to see Jesus risked a lot to see him? It's true. The first people to see Jesus risked a lot to be in his presence. And I'm wondering if this surprises you because some of you, when you think about the Christmas story, you think of it as a spectacular event worthy of excitement only. But did you know that mixed in the story about the birth of Jesus are accounts of people whose visits required a lot of courage? They had to step in faith toward God, maybe like you did this morning and even coming in here. They had to step in faith toward God with only a glimpse of how seeing Jesus would be good for their lives. For some of you, it's risky being here because it's been a long time since you've taken a step of faith towards God. Well, I want to go through the story of the birth of Jesus this morning, and I have some images to help carry the story. And I'm going to be going back and forth between the gospel account we find in Matthew and the account we find in the book of Luke, which are two of the places 
that we see a lot written about the birth of Jesus. But what I want you to notice as I'm telling you the story again, a story that's familiar, no doubt, to some of you, is how those that first got into the presence of Jesus did so because they chose to risk something. So do you know the story, the story of the birth of Jesus? So an angel visits Mary and tells her that she's going to become pregnant. And she replies, let it be. So somewhere between that moment and nine months later, uh, Joseph, who is her fiancé, discovers that his, this woman, Mary, is pregnant. Now, they weren't married yet, which meant that they had not been intimate physically yet. We read about this in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, where it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed, it's kind of like being engaged, but a stronger commitment than our understanding of engagement today. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, and that's being together physically, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So because of this, Joseph didn't quite know what to do, so it crossed his mind that he would actually break off this engagement to Mary. But Joseph was visited by an angel. So an angel appears to Joseph in a dream, explaining all that's happening to him, reminding him of the promise that's already been made. And what is explained is found in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. And it says, As he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Well, Joseph believed. And by believing, Joseph took a risk. Do you know what kind of risk he took? Joseph risked his reputation to get into the presence of Jesus. Joseph risked what other people were going to say about him. Joseph risked his livelihood and future because maybe people would isolate he and Mary because he chose to stay with Mary, but yet the baby that was in with Mary it was not his. Here's the thing about choosing to be in the presence of Jesus. If you choose to to prioritize and make a big deal about entering into the presence of Jesus every single day, others may think differently of you. I don't know about you, but there are times where I'm around people and I begin to build friendships with people and things are going really, really well. And then at some point we have a conversation like, so what do you do for a living? <laughs> and maybe for you, you're an accountant or you're a doctor and they're like, oh, okay, cool. But sometimes when I say, well, I'm a pastor of a Christian church, they're like, oh, and then they begin to apologize for all the times that they cuss. <laughs> I hear it so often. Like, I'm so sorry for cursing around you. I say, I hear it all the time. I hear it all the time. I actually know all the cuss words. I've heard them all. <laughs> Sometimes if you choose to enter into or make a big deal about entering into the presence of Jesus and accepting God's invite for you to live in the presence of Jesus, you risk other people thinking differently of you. Maybe it will be hard for you. So the story goes that Mary is pregnant. Joseph is by her side. Now, at this point, the Bible says in Luke chapter 2, verse 1, that the emperor of Rome, Augustus, requires everyone in his empire to return to their hometown for a census. And a census is essentially counting all the people. Like kids, if I was to go around and, and count one, two, three, four, that's what Augustus wanted to do. And the reason that Augustus wanted to do this is he wanted to get a clear understanding of who was within his reign and who he could tax. Because that's how, of course, he had money. So Luke chapter 2, verse 1, reading out of the New Living Translation, says this. 
At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for their census. So it would be like you having to go to wherever you were born so that they could get a good head count of that hometown. Verse 4, And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And kids, what's the name of that child that's inside of Mary? Safe answer at church. Right there. So verse 6, And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. So Mary and Joseph, they go to Bethlehem for the census, and there were a lot of people that had already gotten there, so there weren't places for them to rent to stay. So they find themselves in a different kind of lodging situation. It's a stable or a barn, depending on uh, what you think about it. It was not ideal in terms of the place for a woman to give birth to a child. So here we have the birth of Jesus. This is the verse in verse 7. She gave birth to her firstborn son. Like, I I don't want to too quickly move past that. Now, we've had four kids, and with each one of them, the birth is miraculous. And at each one of them, I've cried. At each one of them, I can't, I just remember just wanting to scoop them up and just look at them and talk to them and love them and be excited for them. So we cannot too quickly move past the phrase that says she gave birth to the child without some kind of excitement. So I'm going to read the verse again, and I want for you to just... I don't know, get excited somehow. I mean, this is the birth of King Jesus. This is the, the moment we've been anticipating for at least weeks in our Advent series. So here we go. Verse 7. Kids, help me out. She gave birth to her firstborn son. Yes. This is the moment. This is the moment we've been waiting for and anticipating. Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 says, When the right time came, God sent His Son. So this is at the fullness of time, at the appointed time, at the designated time. This moment in history has been in God's heart since the beginning of the creation of man. In fact, in Genesis chapter 3, even in the mess of sin that enters into humanity and divides people from one another and people from God, and uh, even in that moment, there's a promise that there will be a seed of a woman born that will be a blessing to all nations. So this is the moment, Galatians 4, 4, when the time, right time came, God sent His Son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent Him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that He could adopt us as His very own children. The birth of Jesus is what makes it possible for us to be adopted by God or, to stick with our theme here, to even get into the presence of God. So let me return to the story. Here's this birth of this... God, man named Jesus. Of course, Joseph and Mary excited. You're excited. I'm excited. And God decides to invite some other people to get into the presence of Jesus. First of all, we see that the shepherds are invited. You should know a little something about the shepherds. The shepherds aren't the high class of society. They would be considered kind of low class of society. Not the smartest. Not totally in the margins, but definitely outsiders, a little rough around the edges. So the Bible says that the first group of people that hear the announcement that Jesus is born is a group of shepherds. That should make you feel good if you feel low class. (laughs) I do. It makes me feel good. 
In Luke chapter 2, we read in verse 8, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Verse 13 goes on to describe this event. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom He is pleased. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom He is pleased. So this angel appears to the shepherds. They announce the Savior is born. And they're given directions to Bethlehem. And the shepherds go and find baby Jesus. Do you know that by leaving their everyday normal routine, they're risking something? It's a bit of an educated speculation, but let me just put before you the idea that by accepting the invite of God to enter into the presence of Jesus, they risked losing their sheep. They risked being even more outcast. What are you all doing? Why would you leave tending your sheep? Are you crazy? Oh, you're going to tell us an angel came to you? God spoke to you and told you that you need to make it a priority to enter into the presence of Jesus? Are you crazy? They risked leaving their normal routine. For some of you, the biggest risk that you feel in hearing God's invite for you to enter into a relationship with Him is that you know it's going to require a different routine. At the very least, it requires a different routine for what you do on the weekend. (laughs) Like, you need to go to church. It's going to require a different routine during your week, a different way of prioritizing how you spend your time and your talents and your treasures. So for these shepherds, they risked something. And maybe the thing that they most risked was that self-doubt, that voice in their head that said something like this, can God really use me? Can God really take this busted, broken, kind of dirty person? To meet Jesus. That's a big risk for some of you. You're here and maybe it feels risky to believe that God can forgive your sin, to cleanse you and give you new life. I love how Luke chapter 2 verse 16 describes their response to the invitation by God through the angels. It says, and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Do you know that word haste? It's the perfect description for what it will be like tomorrow morning when your kids wake up and they know that they're about to open presents. They will, with haste, (laughs) go down there and see what Santa brought. So at some time, either before or after the birth of Jesus, there's another group that is invited to enter the presence of God. This group called the Magi. So God invites people, not just from the low class, but God invites people from the high class too. The Magi were a group that would be considered dignitaries of sorts. 
So in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So the story goes that there's a star in the sky. The Magi uh, are a part of a group of people that believe that the heavens declare the glory of God, and they are noticing something happening in the heavens, and they begin to believe that it's going to lead them to the Messiah of the Jews. So they follow it. So they follow it, and they find themselves in Jerusalem. When they get in Jerusalem, scholars say that uh, this passage reveals that it goes away. But King Herod hears that they're in town. Now, King Herod, he is a king, but he's not a very nice king. So King Herod invites them in to talk to him. So the Magi are there with King Herod, and they begin to have a discussion. Like, hey, there was a star at Lettuce here, and King Herod said, oh, okay, that star. Well, let's get together the religious leaders, the scribes and other religious leaders, and let's see where this Messiah is supposed to be born as revealed in the Old Testament prophecies. So the scribes and the, the uh, religious leaders quote to him Micah chapter 5, verse 2, which is a prophecy about the location where the Savior is to be born, and it's Bethlehem. So King Herod tells the Magi, hey, I tell you what, you go to Bethlehem, find out if the Messiah, this new baby is born there, and then come back and tell me. And I can't wait for you to do it because I want to worship him. But really what King Herod wanted to do is he wanted to kill him. Because if there is a king born in Bethlehem and that king grows up, then people will worship him and not King Herod. And King Herod didn't want that. So the Magi leave and they go to find Jesus. The star that led them to Jerusalem reappears, and now it's leading them to Bethlehem, to this home. So Jesus is now not in his stable. This is why we know that Jesus is a little bit older at this point. So they're no longer in a stable. They're a little bit older. He's a little bit older, somewhere between zero and two years, what most scholars believe. The Magi find him there, so it's been quite a journey for them. Do you know that they risked something also? They risked uh, being a laughing stock. They risked major disappointment after a long journey trying to find God. And eventually they're going to risk being perceived as a threat to King Herod. Look there in Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. So in going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother. They fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These are the gifts fit for a king. The story goes that they are instructed by God in a dream not to return to Jerusalem to tell King Herod where to find the baby. And then God also warns Joseph and Mary not to return to Jerusalem. And so instead they flee to Egypt and essentially wait there till King Herod dies. This story of the birth of Jesus, though spectacular, is filled with moments where those first people who see him risked something to be in his presence. Did you notice their courage? Joseph risked reputation or rejection in his hometown. The shepherds risked disruption of their normal routine or their livelihood. The magi risked disappointment. Like what if their journey didn't lead them to see God? Or the magi risked death. Herod might kill them if he found them after what he perceived to be a betrayal. And I haven't even mentioned the courage it took for Mary to respond to that announcement that she received nine months before the birth of Jesus. It took a lot of courage for her to hear that she was going to become pregnant and for her to respond with, 
I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. All of these first people to see Jesus risked something to be in his presence. And let me ask you a question. Do you think it was worth it? Do you think it was worth it once they got into the presence of Jesus? Like, I've already mentioned that for some of you, you've risked something by being here, but there's a larger conversation about the risk we sometimes feel to get into the presence of God every single day. To live from that awareness and that perspective every single day. It might feel risky for you, but let's ask the question again. Do these people, do you think for a moment, they felt after meeting Jesus that all that they risked was worth it? Well, apparently they did. Because for each of them, as they first saw Jesus, they worshiped. Do you know that although risky, getting into the presence of Jesus enables us to more clearly see all of life? And maybe a better answer to that question is the answer my eight-year-old son Dryden gave me, who, by the way, helped me put together this sermon and Keaton picked out the images for the sermon. I asked him, I said, Dryden, do you think that for those that risk to be in the presence of Jesus all those years ago, do you think they felt like it was worth it? And he looked at me very plainly and said, well, of course. (laughs) So the question for you is, what are you willing to risk to get in the presence of God? What are you willing to risk to get into the presence of God? Some of you are living your lives without an awareness or submission to the presence of God in your life. What are you willing to risk to get into the presence of God? Will you risk others thinking differently about you like Joseph? Will you risk a disruption in your normal routine? This is one of the things that makes it difficult for some. Like if I choose to make Jesus and living out of his presence in my life the the highest priority, it means I've got to change some things. It means I've got to go to bed a little earlier on Saturday night so that I can get up and gather with his body on Sunday morning. It means that I've got to reprioritize how I spend my money. It means I've got to reprioritize how I use my gifts. All those things. Will you risk a disruption in your normal routine? Or will you risk disappointment? Like... It is faith to say, God, I'm going to give this situation to you. I'm going to give my life to you. God, I'm going to trust that you can forgive my sin, erase it, because Jesus died on the cross and paid a penalty for my sin. Will you risk disappointment like this magi? Just as God invited the lowly shepherd and the high-class magi, he's inviting you to enter into his presence every day through Christ. So here we are in the Christmas season, and we're celebrating the fact that God made his presence available to us, and we celebrate his birth, but we know that that baby didn't stay a baby. Sweet little baby Jesus. (laughs) That little six-pound baby Jesus grew up to be a man, and that man demonstrated God's presence on earth through his love and actions and miracles. And most of all, God demonst- Jesus demonstrated the love of God by willingly laying his life on a cross, dying for sins he didn't commit so that your sins could be forgiven. And here's, here's how it works. There's a mysterious exchange where through faith, your sin goes to Jesus on the cross 2,000 years ago, and his righteousness goes to you. This is the good news of the Bible. So when we talk about the birth of Jesus, that little baby grows up so that you and I can enter peacefully into the presence of God through Christ. This is the gospel. And here's the deal. Once you 
step in faith, believing that God can forgive your sins through Christ. Once you begin that, you will begin to realize that it is no risk at all. Once you see the glory and the majesty and the beauty of Jesus and life with Christ, you will realize that, hey, the risk is very low. It actually is quite enjoyable to live out of the presence of Jesus Christ in your life. So that's the invitation for you today. There's a lot of gift giving going to be happening in your week what I would suggest to you is the first gift you give is your life to God. And you say, okay, Russell, well, I have already done that. I've already crossed over the line of faith. What do I need to do? How do I get into the presence of God? How do I apply this message? It's very simple, truthfully. You must choose daily to enter into the presence of God. And the way you choose daily to enter in the presence of of God is through prayer, conversation with God, through spending time listening to Him by reading His Bible. It also means prioritizing gathering with the church on Sunday. So every time at Christmas, uh, there's people who only come to church on Christmas. And we don't have like a lot of that here, but I want you to know that if that's you, that's cool. And we want for you to find a church that makes sense for you. And I hope it's this one, where you can be encouraged and taught how to live out of the presence of God every single day. And then once you get into a church, you know what you're going to want to do? You're going to want to find a smaller group of friends within that church. You can do something more than just come in here and look in one direction at one speaker. But instead, you can get into a circle. We call these loop groups where people are encouraging one another, praying for one another, ministering to one another, serving one another, helping each other. All these things that are a part of what it means to be the body of Christ. That's how you'll experience the presence of God every single day. So this Christmas, is it risky for you to say, yes, God, I want to live out of the presence of Jesus Christ? I don't think it's a risk at all, and I hope you'll do it. So with that in mind, let's pray and think on these things. Would you bow your head? So there's a decision to make for every one of you. For those of you that are here that have never crossed over the line of faith, what is a greater risk for you? Living the rest of your life without God or living the rest of your life with God? I'd like to suggest to you that the greater risk is to live the rest of your life out of the presence of Jesus. So today you say, well, what do I do? Here's what you do. Just get honest with God. God, I need you. God, I'm not perfect. I accept the payment made for my sin by Jesus on the cross after he grew up 2,000 years ago. And just as Jesus was raised from the dead, I hope you'll give me new life. That's what it means to become a Christian or be saved or become a believer. And, and maybe that's confusing to you because of your church upbringing of whatever denomination or whatever expression of Christianity you've been a part of. Maybe said it a little differently than that. And, uh, and I just want you to know that the simplest way of understanding the gospel is that you're separated from God because of your sin, but God made a way for your sin to be erased by sending His only begotten Son, Jesus, to die on a cross and he was raised from the dead, and that gives us the hope of new life in Christ. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And so the invitation is yours. Will you accept it? For those of you that have already crossed over the line of faith, then the question for you is, how are you choosing daily to enter into the presence of God? How are you choosing daily to enter into the presence of God? What will your commitment be this year for 2020? so that you can live out of the presence of Christ.
It may feel risky to make it a big deal or prioritize it, but I promise you, once you're in it, you won't regret it for a second. So with that in mind, what we want to do is just give you a minute just to, just to ask the Lord, how do you want me to respond? So we believe that God has spoken to us through His Word, and now we're going to have this moment of asking God, how do you want me to respond? So we're going to take about 30, 45 seconds. You're going to pray quietly where you're at. Just, just take advantage of this. Ask the Lord, how do you want me to respond? Lord of God Almighty, we love you. Thank you for this work that you're doing through your spirit in our lives. God, thank you for the word. Thank you, God, for this season that we get to celebrate the birth of Christ. And I pray, God, in these next few moments that people would respond. God, help us to focus. Help us to hear, God, what you want. So, God, we love you. And, God, I trust your spirit's going to do what you want and the way you want to do it during this time. So we love you. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.